Warning, the following podcast features views and opinions that are not representative of the collective views of the Whispers groups. Some of these views may not be suitable for children. Accordingly, the producers and hosts of the Missy AE podcast must insist that no one attempt to take anything that is being said as representative of the views of any of the Whispers groups. Sorry about that, gang. Sorry for the for the little wait here. I accidentally closed the window for some reason. Welcome to Sports Whispers Weekly, another edition of the Missy AE podcast brought to you by Missy AE, whom without his help, none of these productions would be possible to bring to you guys. Uh, we are set to discuss the NBA trade deadline, as well as some more stuff involving NFL free agency, the NFL draft. The NFL draft actually had quite a few quite a few moves take place on Friday that really changed the landscape of the first round this year, at least the early first round. So we will discuss that. We also have uh, as far as the NBA trade deadline goes, we also have a couple of buyouts, and one of them, at least one of them that has been reported so far, has now found a new home. We have the NHL trade deadline coming up pretty soon, I believe, as well as some news involving a referee, I guess. Uh, we also have an update on the Deshaun Watson case. It gets even bigger now, apparently, since we talked last Saturday night. Uh, we will also discuss a little bit about WWE Fast Lane to open up tonight's show. So if you want to call in, just call in 657-383-1308. We will be live on the air for the next three hours. Well, live on the air for people to call in for the next two hours. Uh, if you're not on the line after at the top of the hour at 11 o'clock Eastern, then you won't be able to get on after that, and you'll have to listen to the rest of the podcast when it hits the archive. A reminder, if you want to subscribe to the Missy AE podcast, you can do so on blogtalkradio.com slash Missy AE, as well as on iTunes by searching Missy AE, where you'll get access to not just this show, but also a whole bunch of our other shows that we've done, including the most recent Survivor Memories podcast that took place this past Thursday night, where we had we had Coach, we had Albert, and we also had Papa Bear call in uh, cast, cast members from Survivor South Pacific. It's been, let's just say, a lot of tea was spilled, uh, specifically from Coach and from Albert. So you guys are going to want to check that out. Uh, we also have a whole bunch of other uh, Big Brother memories, Survivor memories, even the Amazing Race uh, memories podcast that we did with Hung and Chi. Uh, we also have one Amazing Race podcast coming up at some point. We have to decide uh, with, with our with our guests uh, when the best time is for that. So you guys are going to want to stay tuned for that if you're interested in the Amazing Race. Uh, we will probably have a podcast coming up later this week. I got to talk to Jim, and I got to see what he wants to do and involving that. Uh, but the number tonight is 657-383-1308. And let's get started with some WWE Fast Lane. Now, I started talking 
last week about Fastlane, and but before we ended up going into football talk, uh, but Fastlane, for the most part, it was it was pretty much a regular B show pay per view like you would expect. You had short matches. Basically, the longest match went 30 minutes, which which was the main event. Which, by the way, might I add, was pretty good for for a B show main event, and it really set up the SmackDown side of things when it came to the main event for WrestleMania, which was officially made the, uh, last night, actually, with Daniel Bryan being put into the official uh, matchup between Roman Reigns and Edge now, making it a triple threat because Daniel Bryan originally made Roman Reigns tap out at Fastlane. However, the ref was knocked out. Therefore, obviously, there's controversial ending. Uh, Edge ended up ultimately screwing Daniel Bryan. Well, he did hit Roman Reigns as well with a chair, but... Uh, this effectively turned Edge heel, essentially. So now they're adding in Daniel Bryan for WrestleMania just so that Roman Reigns doesn't have to be the one to take the pinfall if he ends up losing his title. So it's a way to to protect Roman while also potentially putting the title back on Edge, uh, which, frankly, that's part of the reason why he even won the rumble in the first place was because they're going to, they're going to put the title back on him. I mean, it's not really much of a question here at this point. They're going to put the title back on him. Uh, It may only be for a little bit, who knows, but it's basically part of his whole comeback story about how he returned after being retired for so long and to return and eventually one year later end up winning the WWE Universal title. But yeah, the main event it was it was a pretty good a pretty good main event. Um Daniel Bryan he did apply the yes lock on Roman Reigns. Uh Jey Uso of course ended up getting involved. Uh Brian, Daniel Bryan attacked Jey Uso with the steel chair that Uso brought in. Uh, Brian then tried to attack Reigns with the chair. Reigns ducked, and Brian accidentally hit Edge, which this would come back to bite him later on. Uh, as Brian then applied the yes lock once again to Roman Reigns, Reigns did tap out, but the ref was already knocked out because of because of a previous a previous altercation. Uh, Edge, as the special enforcer uh, for the match, ended up coming in, and at one point he actually did end up uh, he did end up taking over for the ref who who had been knocked out, and then ultimately Edge ended up getting attacked. I forget. I think it was by Jey Uso, uh, who ended up super kicking him and thus putting him down at one point until Brian then tried to hit Uso with the chair. Instead, he hit Edge. Uh, This basically ends up screwing Brian over as after Edge hits him with the chair, uh, a second referee ends up coming down to the ring, and Reigns ends up pinning Brian at the 30-minute mark. Uh, 
So it it was a pretty strong match, you know. I think it, I think it did make up for yeah, it, it made up for the lackluster short match that they put on uh, at Elimination Chamber that took place immediately following uh, the SmackDown Elimination Chamber match. So definitely, you know, it, I think that WWE definitely made it up to the fans with this one. Uh, Alexa Bliss defeating Randy Orton with the return of, I'm going to call him... Jason takes Manhattan, Jason, if I can even call him that. Well, wait, I'm, no, I'm trying, to th- I'm trying to think of which Jason he reminded me of because Fiend ended up coming back uh, sort, of, sort of in the style of Kane where he basically uh, reached out from underneath the ring um, and he just had the, he had obviously this burned look because the last time we saw the fiend he was basically quote unquote burned alive by Randy Orton and it, so he had this whole charred melted sort of look to his to his character now and he basically reminded me of a zombie Jason Voorhees I forget which film it was from though I'd have to I'd have to go back and and rewatch the. Friday the Thirteenth series, so that I could so that I could remember exactly which film it was. But it was it, it was so hilarious watching him uh, watching him come up from the ring like that, and just seeing you know that uh, just how hideous he looked. And it basically I got I got Jason Voorhees vibes from it immediately as soon as soon as I uh, as soon as we got a clear picture of him. Uh, and Alexa Bliss pinning Randy Orton the way she did, yeah. Um, safe to say, not safe for children, possibly. And, you know, I guarantee you that Randy's wife probably had a few things to say to Randy about it. Uh, I'll just put it that way. Uh, but it was a short for four to five minute match, you know, all, the main purpose of it was basically just to, just to reintroduce the theme to in time for WrestleMania. And, you know, that makes sense. Uh, let's see. One of the other matches that I can recall was the pre-show match, yeah, actually, yeah, we'll talk about this. The pre-show match, Matt Riddle defeating Mustafa Ali uh, in a match that actually was longer than about three of the other matches that were even on the main uh, on the main card in particular. Uh, Riddle, he defended his United States Championship successfully, and in doing so, this caused the breakup presumably we're, we're assuming here of retribution with Mace, Reckoning, Slapjack, and T-Bar all turning on Mustafa Ali. And I believe it was Mace and T-Bar who ended up choke slamming him uh, following the end. Yeah, it was, it was Mace and T-Bar because Slapjack ended up leaving second. Uh, Reckoning ended up leaving first. 
they ended up double choke slamming Mustafa Ali in the ring. And it pretty much sounds like that that's essentially the end of retribution, at least with Mustafa Ali as their leader. Uh, so that maybe they would have put that on the pay-per-view. And, but I guess they needed somebody to fill time, you know, for the, for the pre-show. So why not put on a little nine-minute match on there? Uh, Nia Jax and Shayna Baszler successfully defending their championships against Bianca Belair and Sasha Banks. I said it, I said it right from the get-go. We all know that uh, Banks and Belair weren't going to win the titles. And lo and behold, I believe it was on on SmackDown, you know, Sasha Banks did turn heel. I believe I'd have to double check. But, uh, you know, it's blatantly obvious that the way they've been, the way they've been booking Bianca Belair ever since she won uh, her, her Royal Rumble match, that she was basically being booked as the face the entire time. So it shouldn't really come as a surprise to any WWE fans who were, uh, who were watching at Fastlane to see Sasha Banks essentially be the heel of that, of, of that match. Well, of, of that meeting, I should say, that they're going to have at WrestleMania. Uh, Big E defeating Apollo Crews in a little less than six minutes. To be perfectly honest, I'm kind of disappointed because I'm not not disappointed that Big E retained, you know, I'm fine with that. I'm kind of disappointed exactly how short the match was because of the fact that they've gone through all this trouble to give Apollo Crews a whole makeover in terms of his gimmick and everything, you know, being the Nigerian uh, Nigerian prince or something. I don't, I don't know. I don't know exactly what the hell it is, but uh, he goes through this whole gimmick makeover, and then the entire match was pretty much Big E beating the beating the ever loving shit out of him for the full five five minutes forty five seconds that they had, and it kind of makes you wonder, okay, why was this even a pay per view match? You know, why couldn't have this been for like the pre show or something? Because it's. It, it it just seemed very short for a five for 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 a match uh, with such a prestigious title like the Intercontinental Championship and it has so much history behind it and maybe I guess that their whole thing was they wanted to show just exactly how much uh, Big E had snapped because of his work with a uh, with Apollo Cruz during the whole the whole program that they that they've had here. Uh I would assume that there's probably gonna be a rematch at WrestleMania because of this. And actually, you know what? Let me bring up the WrestleMania card because uh keep in mind WrestleMania this year is again two nights and I believe this may be actually a rematch here. Uh, yeah, there is a re- so they will have a rematch on night two, which will be on April 11th uh, for the Intercontinental Championship. And you know that's another thing. I'm gonna I want to talk a little bit about WrestleMania in a few minutes as well. Uh, but to get to the rest of these matches here, Braun Strowman defeating Elias. Uh, 
Elias originally he replaced Shane McMahon after Shane ended up kayfabe suffering an injury in practice. And I guess he was he was doing some boxing or whatnot. And it it, it was it was a perfect way you know, to to draw out to draw out that match in time for you know for the for more build up to WrestleMania basically. So it it is confirmed that Braun Strowman will indeed face Shane McMahon uh at WrestleMania. It'll be night one of WrestleMania for that match. But Braun he defeated Elias in pretty quick fashion, less than four minutes. Not really much to write home about. Seth Rollins defeated Shinsuke Nakamura in the third longest match, about 13 minutes. And, you know, finally, Shinsuke, he's he's actually gotten some meaningful matches now for the, fir- for the first time in forever. It's it's great to see him finally, you know, finally getting utilized uh, in the fashion that he that he should be. Although I kind of wish he was more in the title picture because, you know, he definitely he definitely has uh, that connection with the audience. I wish they would go back to you know his theme without the stupid little remix the stupid little remix put in that was supposed to be for him as a heel, you know, so that fans wouldn't sing along with the theme, but maybe perhaps they're waiting for the, you know, they're waiting for, for audiences to, uh, to be able to return for them to put that in. Uh, but Shinsuke's whole thing was basically him trying to get revenge for Cesaro, which basically this whole program helps set up Cesaro versus, uh, versus Seth Rollins for WrestleMania. Not much of a shock. And kind of expected anyways for, for Seth Rollins to beat Shinsuke. But it was one of the more enjoyable matches of the night, though. Uh, we also had Drew McIntyre defeating Sheamus in a no-holds-barred match. Uh, lasted about twenty min- a good 20 minutes. And... Man, there was there was a lot of carnage in this match and basically it, it, it practically ended with McIntyre doing a future shock DDT on Sheamus onto one of the television monitors. And then he ends up performing a Claymore to win the match. And basically it's what you would expect for somebody who just lost the title to gain some momentum heading into WrestleMania as he challenges the almighty Bobby Lashley uh, for the WWE championship. Now, since, since we're talking about WrestleMania, we'll move on to WrestleMania here. Uh, Speaking of that exact match, I don't, I don't expect you know, I don't expect uh, them to take the title so quickly off of Bobby Lashley because of 
I mean, they've gone full-blown, like a whole new graphics pyro and everything for him. Uh, they're even calling him the almighty WWE champion. So it just seems like WWE is putting so much stock into Lashley as champion here. And he does de- definitely have the look uh, that I think, honestly, it would be it would be a bit of a mistake for them to take the title off of him at WrestleMania. I understand they want to give McIntyre, they probably want to give McIntyre his rightful WrestleMania moment, but this isn't, this isn't the time to do it. You know, Lashley has so much momentum uh, going for him as, as WWE champion in his first ever WWE championship reign for the first time in what 15, 16 years uh, ever since he first debuted with the company, it, it wouldn't make sense for them to take the title off of him right now. And usually WrestleMania is known for those, you know, heartfelt moments where like, like say for example, Chris Benoit back before he, you know, murdered his wife and kid and then killed himself. You know, he ended up winning the World Heavyweight Championship at WrestleMania, at WrestleMania 20. Uh, Triple H, you know, coming back from coming back from quad surgery uh, in 2002, winning the Undisputed Championship uh, off of Chris Jericho. Rey Mysterio. Winning the uh, winning the WWE or was it WWE or World? I think it was the World Heavyweight Championship uh, in tribute to Eddie Guerrero at WrestleMania. I think it was the 22. Um, yeah, I think it was 22. You know, it's I understand that they have they have those those type of uh, feel good moments at WrestleManias, but I just think for at least now it would be wrong to take the title off of Lashley, especially this soon after after he's won the title. Uh, we also have Bad Bunny. Yeah, the, the freaking rapper, the Latino rapper, or however you want to, however you want to classify him. Uh, taking on the Miz. Keep in mind, this is a guy who is a few a few weeks removed from being WWE champion, and now he's probably going to lose to Bad Bunny at WrestleMania. How low have they gone? If if I I understand Miz doing you know doing everything for the company, but and obviously, of course, this is going to get headlines because, you know, hell, uh, out of all the award shows that he was on, Bad Bunny, he ended up uh, carrying the WWE 24-7 championship with him onto those shows. And it's getting publicity for the WWE, so maybe that is a good thing for The Miz because, you know, he's going to be involved in such publicity, uh, having a match with Bad Bunny. But it just seems 
a little comical to me that he goes from being WWE champion to, or no, I'm sorry, he goes from Money in the Bank winner or Money in the Bank holder, I should say, to WWE champion to losing the title and then facing Bad Bunny all within the span of like a month, month and a half. It's kind of comical to me. So, I don't know. I definitely, I more than likely we're going to see the Miz lose, and who knows? It could it could end up being a tag team match at at, at some point here. Assuming, I know Damian Priest and John Morrison they are dealing with some uh, with some injuries, but maybe eventually this gets turned into a tag team match, and maybe perhaps John Morrison's the one uh, that gets pinned here to sort of save. Uh, the Miz a little bit of embarrassment, but who knows? Uh, we also have a tag team match for the Raw Tag Team Titles, The New Day, uh, defending against AJ Styles and almost the big, gigantic African American guy who's been his bodyguard for the past couple months, ever since he came to Raw. And I have a feeling they may potentially, they they may potentially. Uh, you know, give the uh, give the titles to AJ Styles and Almost here, and they needed a face team to face them. That, that they weren't going to have the Hurt Business drop the titles to them, so might as well have the Hurt Business drop the titles to the New Day. Then the New Day can drop the titles to AJ Styles and Almost because you can't have a heel tag team face a heel tag team. But I know Almost has been basically part of the performance center recruits. Uh, He hasn't really had that much wrestling experience. So we're going to finally get to see, uh, you know, what he can do here. His first wrestling match actually in the WWE. Uh, Braun Strowman versus Shane McMahon. I assume we're probably going to see Shane jump off of something. Maybe he'll jump off of one of the cannons that they have at uh, at Raymond James Stadium, because it is going to be in Tampa Bay at Raymond James Stadium. Um, I assume we're going to see something, like some sort of WrestleMania moment, because normally you don't have Shane McMahon come out here and not do something, not do some sort of daredevil move if he's, if he's going to be in a match. So I would assume that there's something's going to happen that's going to be big involving him. I would expect him to lose, though, uh, against Strowman. Cesaro and Seth Rollins, this should be a barn burner because both of them are, are two of the two of the biggest workers in the company uh, with the highest motors in terms of uh, keeping things going inside the ring. So, I I think this could potentially be one of the biggest matches of the night, in all honesty. Do have uh, some breaking news here for some co- for uh, college basketball fans. In March Madness, the Arkansas Razorbacks have held on to defeat uh, to. Who did they say? Oh, Oral Roberts. Uh, they end Oral Roberts' run after Oral Roberts initially started off 
this March Madness, upsetting the Ohio State Buckeyes, and then upsetting the Florida Gators. They, however, could not get past the Arkansas Razorbacks as Arkansas holds on to win 72-70. to They will go on to face uh, Baylor. And actually, I believe that will be Monday in the Elite Eight. Uh, some other some other teams that have already qualified for the Elite Eight, we have Oregon State uh, after they, I guess you can call it an upset, a, a 12 seed defeating an 8 seed, uh, after they upset uh, Loyola Chicago earlier today, 65 to 58. And Baylor, of course, uh, defeating Villanova 62-51. to Baylor faces Arkansas. Uh, some other – actually, we do have one more, I think, set to take place tonight, and that's uh, Syracuse going up against Houston. And they will face uh, – the winner of that, of that uh, game will face Oregon State. Uh, which will be on Monday, the 29th. Uh, the games that are set to take place tomorrow: Alabama against UCLA, Michigan against FSU against Florida State. Uh, the winner of those two games will meet will meet up uh, on Tuesday, on the 30th, to determine who goes to the Final Four. We also have Gonzaga versus Creighton and USC versus Oregon. Uh, the winners of those two will meet up, and they will decide on Tuesday who goes to the Final Four as well. Uh, back to WrestleMania here. Uh, so night one, night one's card looks like this. You got Sasha Banks and Bianca Belair, which – from all indications, it sounds like that's going to be the main event of night one. Uh, you got Bobby Lashley against Drew McIntyre. You have Bad Bunny against The Miz. The New Day against AJ Styles and Omos. Braun Strowman against Shane McMahon. And Cesaro against Seth Rollins. Now, for night two, you have Roman Reigns defending his universal title against Edge and Daniel Bryan. I said it earlier. This really seems like it's set up for Daniel Bryan to take the pinfall from Edge with basically allowing Roman Reigns to not get pinned in order to lose his title. Uh, You also have Asuka taking on Rhea Ripley, and it's to be determined whether or not Charlotte may get added to this match. So uh, that's something to keep an eye on potentially with about two weeks to go here. Uh, Charlotte has shockingly not been on WWE programming for quite some time, and it's there's no indication as to why she has missed any time. Uh, some people have thought maybe she's pregnant. Who knows? Maybe she ended up getting COVID. Uh, but she hasn't been seen in quite some time. So it, it was kind of shocking to people that Rhea Ripley is getting the shot and it kind of makes you wonder exactly what is up with Charlotte because it was supposed to have been Asuka against Charlotte for this match up here. But who knows? Maybe 
maybe she'll maybe she'll end up uh, she'll end up getting re-added if she ends up returning like like say this uh, this upcoming Monday night or something. The Fiend against Randy Orton. I'm very disappointed this isn't a uh, this isn't a Firefly Funhouse match like we had last year against John Cena, which basically became the mind fuck of the century. Uh, with them visiting so many different eras, uh, and how, and I understand, you know, it, it it gave them the opportunity for it to be a, a cinematic match because of the fact that, uh, you know, COVID, there was no audience. This was before they even had, you know, the uh, the Thunderdome, so it allowed WWE to basically get creative with how they would do things. Um. But I assume this would, this should be a pretty good match here. Uh, I would I would expect the fiend to uh, to emerge victorious because of how his whole feud with Randy Orton has gone so far. Uh, let's see the or Big E taking on Apollo Cruz. Assuming that they're going to continue the singles run with Big E. I would expect probably for Big E to win. However, if he does lose, it kind of makes you wonder if maybe perhaps Big E could be in line for the world title picture. So I think the ending of of the the ending of this match will or the results of this match I should say uh should speak volumes depending on exactly what plans they're going to have for, for Big E moving forward. Uh, and you also have Kevin Owens versus Sami Zayn. This is basically going to probably end like it, like all of their other matches have on the main roster with Kevin Owens beating Sami Zayn. It's, you know, it's, it's basically become a rule at this point that every time these two end up facing each other, that Kevin Owens basically kicks the ever-loving shit out of them. Uh, but, you know, this is just one of many, many matches that they've had throughout against each other throughout their careers, uh, spanning all the way back to ROH and even before ROH, actually. Uh, you know, this is, uh, I'm sure this is going to be a, uh, Another one to add to those uh, to that long line of matches that they've had in their respective careers against each other. Um, now there is one thing though involving Peacock that I got to bring up here. Now, obviously, WWE there they no longer have the WWE Network, so now they're. Now, now they've moved over to Peacock officially, and Peacock will be, uh, or I should say, well, we just had Fastlane be the first, the first pay-per-view to be shown on, on Peacock. And, I mean, my stream was fine, but I heard, I heard, uh, complaints from so many other people that, uh, that their stream was having problems. And I do know one thing. I do know that the stream was pretty far behind. I think it was about 
want to say maybe 30 seconds to a minute behind the WWE Network stream. So Peacock is already having problems there. Uh, but not just that, but also it appears that, uh, yeah, some of the some of the content that NBC Universal picked up here in this in this WWE Network deal, uh, apparently, it is a little too much for NBC Universal, as they they have now started editing shows to remove any sort of racist content or stuff that uh, that is not PC, so to speak. Um, which, I mean, I kind of understand it, but for this current age, but come on. A lot of this stuff back then wasn't really looked at like it was or like it is now. Like, for example, one of the... Uh, one of the things that was taken out was when in WrestleMania six, uh, Rowdy Roddy Piper, he used half blackface in his match against uh, the African American Bad News Brown, and he also gave a controversial promo uh, where he impersonated his opponent using the black side of his face toward the camera. Uh, there was also another segment with, which actually, you know, with with that being removed. I can kind of see why they did it because, uh, I mean, it, it, it just, it looks blatantly racist. I mean, come on, it, you know, you're facing a black guy and you really have to, uh, you really have to have to, uh, wear half blackface and then, uh, impersonating, impersonating him by using the black face part of your body. I mean, it's back then, you know, people didn't look at it like that, but it was really going a bit too far when you think about it now. Uh, more recently, they did a comedy segment in 2005 uh, for the Survivor Series where Vince McMahon ended up using the N-word while speaking to John Cena prompting Booker T to say his catchphrase, tell me he didn't just say that, uh, that has also been removed. And it's not clear yet as to what else may be removed, but uh, the Attitude Era, a lot of people will remember for being very controversial, and it seems very certain that a lot of this content may potentially get removed uh, such as Triple H and the rest of Degeneration X using blackface to taunt the Nation of Domination during their uh, during their you know feud. Uh, ECW, you know, they were very infamous for their controversial content. I guarantee you, ECW probably isn't even going to have any footage on the WWE Network without being offensive. So, I guarantee you that. Uh, Peacock probably is going to keep the ECW content out of uh, out of their library. Um, I've also read rumors. I hope this isn't true, but I've read rumors that any matches involving blood will basically be completely grayed out to where 
sort of like what we saw at some points in WWE uh, on their YouTube and in some in some cases on the WWE Network where we would see uh, matches get grayed out as soon as somebody got cut open. I guess blood apparently is offensive or maybe it scares the little kitties that may, be, that may watch Peacock apparently. Um, so I've heard rumors that that may get, uh, that may get edited. I mean, there's, you know, there's a, there's a whole bunch of stuff that uh, apparently could get edited here. I hope it's not true, but, you know, just just knowing what is, you know, just knowing the fact that uh, Peacock is already starting to make all these adjustments. Right, first off, it's already making me wish that, uh, you know, they had just they had just stayed uh, with the WWE network, but Hey, you know, WWE is going to do anything they want to do to make money. So hell sell, sell the entire, uh, the entire library. And, you know, if you want to see the unedited stuff, you just better hope you have the original DVD that you purchased when, uh, when the show was officially, uh, you know when the when the when the show first came out on review specifically first came out on DVD. Um, so yeah, I, I guess I'm gonna have to start watching more of my DVDs now instead of watching uh, the network because, well, it's gonna make watching some of those bloody matches you know less entertaining. Uh, you know, once we get Lou on here, I'll get his thoughts on it. Um, I just that I understand removing the controversial content like the racist stuff that's you know that's fine but I mean if if you're if they're potentially blacking out you know blood and and shit like that I mean, kids see blood nowadays in the WWE anyway, so it's not really going to change much, you know? I mean, if if you're going to gray out the thing or gray out the, uh, you know, the, the blood, they're still going to see the blood. It's just going to be gray. And this is actually... Uh, social media has actually been in an uproar over Peacock's decision to edit uh, these these shows in their library now as um, fans are now claiming that by doing so, the networks are erasing history uh, in the words of, uh, of some of them. And It's you know, like I said, I understand why why Peacock is doing it. You know, I guess I guess it just it doesn't sit right with the with the pure with the wrestling purists basically, you know, that have watched uh you know, the older fans that have watched uh 
the WWE all the way back from the early 90s, you know, to the Attitude Era, through the Attitude Era and stuff like that. Um, and now, you know, with the Peacock, with Peacock now getting the WWE content and their whole library, it kind of makes you wonder now that WWE, they were trying to start pushing the envelope a little further uh, in some of their other stuff, but now it kind of makes you wonder if maybe perhaps they're not going to do it at all. You know what? This is actually, this brings up a very interesting thing here. So, if if they do decide to remove the blood and whatnot and gray out the blood, what about this this stuff that they had going with Randy Orton where he was basically puking up bile, I guess. I guess you could describe it as bile, but basically he was spitting out black fluid during his uh during his his segments that he had the uh, Alexa Bliss and a lot of people thought it was vile and stuff like that, you know, that essentially what Alexa Bliss was doing was using a whole bunch of supernatural powers to make this happen. And apparently, I guess that isn't controversial, you know, having uh, and uh, that maybe that's not scary to the kids, but, but apparently, you know, having blood is having blood in a match is, apparently. I don't know. I, you know, then again, that the whole thing about the blood, it's, it's just rumor. It's just a rumor that I've heard. I hope it's false. But, uh, you know, this is the same, this is the same person that also said that they were removing uh, a whole bunch of racist content from the original WWE, now, from the original footage. And obviously we've seen that come true so far. So I'm kind of hoping that the news about the blood and stuff is false. But, you know, I wouldn't be, I wouldn't be all that shocked if it wasn't, though. So I'm, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm just, I'm kind of hoping This is gonna. This is gonna be. Uh, I'm. I'm just gonna hate it. I'll put it that way. I'll. I'll hate it if. Uh, if they end up doing something like that. Because, you know, it's not really. Oh yeah, there was also. I finally found, the post that I had made in Sports Whispers because it had the the full thing involving Peacock. Apparently uh, that was also in the rumor was that chair shots to the head would also be edited out because, you, you know, it, it it's offensive to those who have suffered concussions. Granted, I, I've never suffered a concussion, a concussion before, but apparently it's offensive to those who have suffered concussions uh, and chair shots to the head uh, reli- make them relive a whole bunch of PTSD. Apparently, I don't know, but it's. I I, I just kind of think you know, getting rid of the racist stuff is fine, but if you're editing out like chair shots to the head and blood and stuff like that, you know, it's 
now you're going you're going a little bit overboard with uh the amount of control and the amount of editing that you're doing to uh to the actual original product and actually you know come to think of it kind of makes me wonder now because of the fact that WWE no longer owns I guess they still sort of own the footage but it's now you know the library is now owned by NBC Universal kind of makes me wonder if now they're going to edit the theme songs again like they did when they went in instead of uh the Undertaker with Limp Biscuit doing Roland for the American Badass gimmick. If maybe perhaps they're going to go back to that stupid generic rock crap, or maybe perhaps uh, going back to the "You're Gonna Pay" uh, theme, which in some matches it's it just seems so out of place when he comes out to it. Uh, you know, because obviously due to royalties. Uh, it's it, it'll be interesting, you know. I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna, once once this podcast is done tonight, or once this recording is done tonight, I'm gonna have to go into uh, my Peacock account and take a look at some of the some of the past shows and see if some of these edits have actually been put in there. Because um, I mean, it, it, fans waited forever for them to get the uh, licensing rights. To certain stars themes that weren't done by the WWE and were done by you know outside uh, outside music musicians so uh, it would be kind of sad for them to go back to you know to go back to uh, how it was before that uh, but we do have some NHL news to talk about as one of the uh, one one of the uh, big stories uh, this week was the ban, the NHL's ban of veteran referee Tim Peel after uh, an incident involving his microphone uh, in a game between the Detroit Red Wings and Nashville Predators, where a tripping or a so-called tripping penalty occurred. I say so-called because to a lot of people who were watching the game, including uh, the broadcasters, it looked like that it was a, that it was a blatant dive on the uh, alleged trip. And Tim Peel basically when he was going to, uh, to explain to the, uh, you know, the timekeeper, he basically said the game was going to, to a commercial just a few minutes later. The Predators television broadcast caught audio of Peel saying, it wasn't much, but I wanted to get a fucking penalty against Nashville early. And apparently the ref, I guess the ref wasn't aware that his, uh, you know, that his mic was still on. And this spread like wildfire all throughout social media, mainly on Twitter. And the league acted very quickly on it. Uh, and basically, basically decided uh, that Peel would no longer uh, officiate NHL games 
uh, ever. Uh, Nashville head coach John Hines commented on it, saying, I think the situation is what it is. I think from our perspective, it probably doesn't matter how I feel about it in general, but the referees are employees of the league, and rather than me comment, I think it's an issue that the league will have to take care of. And the league did take care of it. Uh, A statement that was made by NHL Senior Executive Vice President of Hockey Operations, um, they said in particular, Tim Peel's conduct, or nothing is more important than ensuring the integrity of our game. Tim Peel's conduct is in direct contradiction to the adherence to that cornerstone principle uh, that we demand of our officials and that our fans, players, coaches, and all of those associated with our game expect and deserve. Uh, there is no justification for his comments, no matter the context or his intention, and the National Hockey League will take any and all steps necessary to protect the integrity of our game. Uh, and according to Sportsnet's Elliot Friedman, Peel was scheduled to retire later this season anyways, and his final game was slated to be on April 24th. Uh, The incident did end up occurring with about 15 minutes and four seconds remaining in the second period when when Predators forward Victor Arvidsson was called for tripping Red Wings defenseman John Merrill in the offensive zone, Uh, although it seemed very obvious that uh, Merrill embellished uh, the trip, so to speak, here. But if something like this got caught like it did, kind of makes you wonder how long has this been going on? You know, how long have they have they been doing doing stuff like this? You know, to where referees were allowed well obviously it's 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 obvious at this point that referees uh have depending on how referees call the penalties during a game it often dictates you know how the game is going to go but it kind of makes you wonder if if there have been previous referees that have had an agenda like this you know that would that would cause uh cause events like this to happen and you know nothing out nothing has been done previously in the past but yet something finally happened here with with Tim Peel and you know Peel just happened to be uh, the one guy who did not turn his microphone off and effectively he got caught and lo and behold you know he's no longer uh, he's no longer employed. So even though he was going to retire anyways at the end of the season, but it, it just brings up it. It, it just it, you know it kind of makes you wonder just exactly how long this has been going to begin with. A little bit of food for thought, if you will, or if you will. All right, let's get to some scores around the National Hockey League. Uh, we do have 
a few games uh, left here that are still uh, playing. With about 12 and a half minutes to go in the third period, the Nashville Predators have a 3-1 to lead over the Chicago Blackhawks. Uh, in the third period out in Dallas, we are tied up 3-3 to between the Florida Panthers and Dallas Stars with about 15 minutes to go there. Uh, still yet to drop the puck, and actually they're probably dropping the puck any minute now. Uh, we have the San Jose Sharks visiting the Arizona Coyotes, and we also have the Winnipeg Jets visiting the Calgary Flames. Uh, some finals from earlier today, the Boston Bruins defeated the lowly Sabres with a 3-2 to victory. Dan Vladar gets his second win in his second career start. Uh, we also had a 2-1 to victory for the Philadelphia Flyers over the New York Rangers earlier today. A final in overtime, the Vegas Golden Knights hang on with a 3-2 to victory over the Colorado Avalanche. We have a 3-1 to victory for the Detroit Red Wings over the Columbus Blue Jackets. In Carolina, a 4-3 to victory for the Carolina Hurricanes over the Tampa Bay Lightning. The Toronto Maple Leafs with a 4-3 to victory over the Edmonton Oilers in overtime in Toronto. And we have a 6-3 to victory for the Pittsburgh Penguins over the New York Islanders in Pittsburgh. Uh, games set for tomorrow, we have the New York Rangers visiting the Washington Capitals, the Columbus Blue Jackets visiting the Detroit Red Wings, the Anaheim Ducks visiting the St. Louis Blues, the New Jersey Devils visiting the Boston Bruins. We also have the Florida Panthers visiting the Dallas Stars, the Nashville Predators visiting the Chicago Blackhawks, and the Ottawa Senators visiting the Montreal Canadiens. Um, Going over to... Talk a, talk a little bit about UFC 260, which is currently taking place right now live on pay-per-view. But we do have a uh, few results from earlier matches uh, for the prelims. Mark andre Barrio uh, knocking out Abu Azatar uh, by, by punches. Omar Morales with a unanimous decision victory over Shane Young. We have Michael Oleksijuk defeating Modestus Sokoskis by split decision. Abu Bakar Nurmagomedov defeating Jared Gooden by unanimous decision. And Alonzo Menafield defeating Fabio Charant by submission via the, the Von Flu choke. Wow. It has been a while since I've seen one of those, uh, one of those style chokes. Of course, made famous by Jason Von Flu. Uh, who has actually fought in the UFC, uh, I believe. Actually, yeah, he was a he was a competitor on the second season of The Ultimate Fighter, uh, which that one that one I believe was the season that Rashad Evans won, if I recall correctly. Uh, Still set to come, we have Jamie Malarkey, which this will kick off the main card. Uh, Jamie Malarkey taking on Kama Worthy. Uh, We have 
Jillian Robertson facing off against Miranda Maverick. Sean O'Malley faces Thomas Almeida in his first fight since his broken foot. Uh, We have Tyrone Woodley against Vicente Luque. And for the main event, we have Stipe Miocic defending his heavyweight title against Francis Ngannou in a rematch from their previous encounter. And we will see exactly if uh, if Ngannou has the – has the cardio to keep up with Stipe Miocic, assuming that this goes further into the, uh, you know, f- further into into the night than we expect. All right. Let's see here. Oh, we do actually, I forgot, we do have some trades to talk about here. Obviously, with the NHL trade deadline coming up uh, at some point within the within the next uh, the next week or so, uh, we do have uh, some trades here. First, the Montreal Canadiens have acquired Eric Stahl from the Buffalo Sabres in exchange for uh, third and fifth round picks in this year's NHL draft. And also, as part of the trade, the Buffalo Sabres will retain $1.625 million of Eric Stahl's salary. Uh, Stahl is actually a free agent, I believe, uh, coming out of this season. So this is basically Montreal uh, building up for a potential postseason run here. And it kind of makes sense because Buffalo is, clearly a seller having one of the worst records in the league. And I assume that, uh, that Taylor Hall is probably going to be the next one to be shipped to be shipped out of Buffalo. Uh, at this point, Stahl had three goals and 10 points in 32 games this season for Buffalo. Uh, the Sabres had originally obtained him from, from Minnesota back in September with the hope that he could provide the veteran depth that they need, uh, down the middle at center. Uh, the Canadiens are looking for more of the same out of stall here while expecting some more offensive contributions along the way. Uh, it's not clear at this time, though, if he has to quarantine for only seven days or if it'll be 14 days because the federal government has not confirmed that change uh, as of yet. Also, the Los Angeles Kings, they completed a trade earlier today that saw them send out a fourth-round pick in this year's draft in exchange for Brendan Lemieux of the New York Rangers. Lemieux had two goals and five points in 30 uh, games this season for the Rangers. He also has 59 penalty minutes and 61 hits. Uh, He should continue uh, in his regular role as a bottom six forward, except this time it'll be with the L.A. Kings. And actually taking a look at the standings here currently in each division, first in the Discover Central Division, Bay Lightning leading with 50 points, followed by Carolina with 49, uh, Florida with 44. So Florida currently sits in a playoff spot, the top three from each division will be automatically in the playoffs. So that's Tampa Bay, Carolina, and Florida right now. Uh, Chicago there with 37 points, followed by Columbus with 34, Nashville with 33, Dallas with 30, and Detroit with 26. In the 
Mass Mutual East Division, we have the Washington Capitals and the New York Islanders tied with 48 points apiece, followed by the Pittsburgh Penguins with 46. You have the Boston Bruins with 39 points, the Philadelphia Flyers with 36, the New York Rangers with 34, the New Jersey Devils with 28, and the Buffalo Sabres with 16. So I don't know exactly how they're going to do uh, the extra two, uh, you know, the extra two teams, the wild card teams, I guess you could call them. But assuming they're going by, uh, assuming they're gonna they're gonna pair up the Mass Mutual East and the uh, the Discover Central divisions then we're probably looking at the two wild cards currently being the Boston Bruins and the Chicago Blackhawks. The Blackhawks are are barely hanging on there by just a point, assuming that that's how it's going to go here. Um, in the Honda West Division, we have the Vegas Golden Knights with 47 points, the Colorado Avalanche with 46, the Minnesota Wild with 43 followed by the St. Louis Blues with 37, the Arizona uh, Coyotes with 35, the Los Angeles Kings with 32, the San Jose Sharks with 30, and the Anaheim Ducks with 26. In the Scotia North Division, the All-Canadian Division, if you want to call it that, you have the Toronto Maple Leafs with 46 points, leading the division, followed by the Winnipeg Jets with 44, and the Edmonton Oilers with 43. The Montreal Canadiens with 37, the Vancouver Canucks with 35, the Calgary Flames with 33, and the Ottawa Senators with 28. Now, assuming we're going by the same thing here, the confirmed playoff teams, if the season were to end today, would be the Vegas Golden Knights, the Colorado Avalanche, and the Minnesota uh, the, the Minnesota Wild, representing the Honda West. In the Scotia North, we'd have the Toronto Maple Leafs, the Winnipeg Jets, and the Edmonton Oilers. And going based off of points for the wild cards, we would have the St. Louis Blues and the Montreal Canadiens with 37 points apiece. So, obviously, moving forward here, we're going to have to keep an eye out, uh, keep an eye out on just exactly what they're going to do in terms of you know what exactly they're going to be they're going to be looking at here when it comes to who makes the playoffs basically uh for those those extra two spots i assume it's probably going to be you know a total of four team a, a total of four extra teams uh, between all four divisions. But, yeah, we'll see how that goes there. Uh, moving on to uh, the NBA, we actually have uh, the NBA trade deadline that took place this past – actually, this, pa- this past uh, Thursday, I believe, uh, if I recall correctly. First, the buyout. We had we had Andre Drummond come to an agreement on a buyout with the uh, Cleveland Cavaliers, and we also had Lamarcus Aldridge 
come to an agreement on a buyout with uh, with the San Antonio Spurs. Now, from what it appears, it appears that LaMarcus Aldridge is probably headed to the Brooklyn Nets. Shocker. Uh, from what it sounds like, it sounds like it was between the Brooklyn Nets and the Miami Heat, and all indications are that he's probably headed to the Nets. Uh, we also, in, in terms of Andre Drummond, it came down to the Lakers, the Celtics, and the Knicks as the three front runners. And from from last court, obviously there there hasn't been anything new since I don't think. But from last report, it appears that he is probably headed to the Lakers uh, ahead of the Boston Celtics as the New York Knicks had reportedly moved on from him because, well, head coach Tom Thibodeau, he prefers more of a defensive center as opposed to an offensive center. So, obviously, Andre Drummond, you know, he he's more of an offensive center, so he wouldn't really fit uh, the philosophy of Tom Thibodeau. But it, who knows? You know, obviously it isn't official yet that he's uh, headed to uh, the Lakers. So maybe perhaps the Knicks can jump back into this, especially considering uh, they've lost Mitchell Robinson uh, for quite a bit of time now as he is sidelined with a broken right foot. Well, they're calling it broken, but it's, it's technically – I don't know, broken, fractured, regardless. He won't be returning for quite some time, uh, suffering the injury tonight against the Milwaukee Bucks in the first quarter. Uh, And it says here that he is out indefinitely. Uh, Now in Mitchell's absence, Nerland's Noel and Taj Gibson will serve as the centers moving forward. And it kind of sucks for the – you know, for the for the surging uh, New York Knicks, as you know, they were they they were they were uh, kind of making some noise in the uh, in the East, and actually, they still are. As a matter of fact, they're about assuming that they can hang on here with with eight seconds to go. It seems like they're about to beat the Milwaukee Bucks which if that's the case, uh, the New York Knicks will improve to 24 and 22, uh, currently sitting in the fifth seed, but it looks like they may move up here to the fourth seed with this win. Um, I mean, just looking at the standings right now, you got the 76ers, the Nets, the Milwaukee Bucks, the Charlotte Hornets, the New York Knicks, and the Atlanta Hawks firmly in the playoff picture right now with the Boston Celtics, Miami Heat, Indiana Pacers, and Chicago Bulls having to participate in the play-in tournament. So the loss of Mitchell Robinson, this could actually be a pretty significant loss for this young Knicks team who's looking to, you know, actually have, uh, actually have their first playoff push in quite a long time. So this is uh, this is definitely something that 
you know, it, it's de- it's definitely gonna it's definitely gonna hurt the Knicks moving forward. So who knows? You know the the Andre Drummond news isn't official yet, so maybe perhaps they can somehow dr- jump back into the Andre Drummond uh, trade picture here. Uh, but just to just to run down some of the trades that we got here, I mean, there's hell, there's a ton of them uh, that took place on the 25th year. Obviously, things got started off with uh, the Bulls making a big move to acquire uh, all-star or all-star center Nikola Vucevic from the Orlando Magic along with Al Farouk Aminu. And in return, the Orlando Magic would get Wendell Carter Jr., Otto Porter Jr., as well as two future first-round picks. And actually, if I can find... If I can find the thing here, I have it written down here somewhere. As far as the picks, uh, the first-round picks are uh, from this year as well as 2023, and both are protected first-round picks uh, from the from picks one through four. So if it follows anywhere from one through four, they st- uh, that pick ends up staying with the Chicago Bulls, but at this point, it doesn't look to be, uh, it doesn't, that doesn't look to be the case. Uh, And as far as Vucevic goes, this is going to be very interesting because now he's going to be paired up with Zach Levine and Vucevic is already contributing at such a high level. This, this could drastically change his, uh, his numbers that he's currently putting up right now. I mean, you're probably this definitely improves the Bulls. And considering where they sit right now in the in the tenth spot, uh, just barely teetering on the edge of potentially going to the playoffs and potentially being eliminated from from playoff contention. You know, they're you know this this doesn't just improve them now; it improves them for down the line as well. So. Because I believe Vucevic actually has a term remaining on his deal, so I this is this was a huge, huge trade for uh, for the Orlando Magic that actually kicked off uh, this entire thing. So let's see here. Um, Hang on one second. I gotta, I gotta restart this thing. I'm doing uh, at the same time here. You know, I'm, I'm doing a whole bunch of uh, a whole bunch of stuff for, uh, what's it called for WMR at the same time. I gotta make sure everything ends up, uh, you know, everything ends up working here. Uh, but. The next uh, specific trade that came up, because uh, you know this started this started going going around like like wildfire. Like once one trade came in, another trade immediately came in after, and so on and so forth. Uh, but 
Oh, actually, no, they have it lined up wrong here. Oh, well, we'll go with this next one. Uh, the Portland Trailblazers, they made a deal uh, to acquire Norman Powell in exchange uh, for sending Gary Trent Jr. and Rodney Hood uh, over to over to the Toronto Raptors. So this, it's 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 been obvious uh, for quite a while that Toronto was probably going to be heading towards a rebuild. And actually, Toronto almost made a move uh, to send Kyle Lowry to either the Miami Heat or the L.A. Lakers, but they were asking for way too much uh, that the uh, both the Heat and the Lakers, they weren't willing to pay what they were asking for. But uh, Norman Powell, he definitely adds quite a bit here for uh, for the Portland Trailblazers. So this is this is quite a uh, quite a big move uh, that was done for Portland. And in particular, let me let me find the particulars here. Uh, as far as what this does, obviously Toronto, they're on the outside of the playoff picture. So it, it made sense for them to, uh, to, to become sellers because it, it was clearly obvious that they probably aren't going to make the playoffs. So, you know, it, it basically made the most sense for them to, uh, to get what they could for Powell, who I believe is actually going to uh, going to become a free agent, I think, at the end of the season anyway. So might as well get what they could get for him. Uh, the Philadelphia 76ers, they, all, they acquired uh, George Hill in a three-team trade that saw them get not just George Hill, but Ignis Brazdikis, uh it also involved the New York Knicks. The New York Knicks in this deal get Terrence Ferguson, Vincent Poirier, and the rights to Amir Prilzik, uh, as well as a 2021 second-round pick and a 2024, uh, which is protected from numbers 31 to 55. So basically, it's a late it has to be a late second-round pick, essentially. Uh, the Thunder in this deal, they get Austin Rivers, Tony Bradley, as well as two second-round picks from the 76ers uh, for both the 2025 and 2026 seasons. So this is basically the 76ers getting a very reliable backup for Ben Simmons that basically they can uh, – they can utilize, you know, for the po- for uh, an eventual postseason run that they're going to go on here. Um, the next trade here, this one actually happened early in the uh, early in the day. This actually happened like before I got up for work. Uh, the Sacramento Kings they traded Corey Joseph along with a second-round pick in 2021, well, this year, and a second-round pick in 2024 
in exchange for Dallin Wright. And this is basically a Sacramento Kings squad that apparently thinks that they can still make the playoffs uh, despite being at 20 and 25. They, they're currently sitting outside of the play-in tournament right now. But apparently they still think they can make the playoffs to where, you know, they – they don't have to uh they don't have to make the necessary moves uh you know to become sellers and apparently they felt that uh acquiring the the likes of Dellen of uh Dellen Wright would uh would help them further uh further their prospects into getting into the playoffs as they had been rumored to if they were going to be uh to be sellers Harrison Barnes was uh, was an attractive option for teams as was uh as was Marvin Bagley and they did however send out uh Bajelica. let me find that here real quick actually and this thing is not cooperating Yeah, hang on real quick. Uh, Bajelica, Bajelica, where are you? Yeah, Nemanja Bajelica uh, was traded to the Miami Heat, according to Shams Sharania, and the deal would send Mo Harkless and Chris Silva to the Sacramento Kings. Bajelica wanted out of Sacramento, and this basically gives him steady playing time at power forward behind, uh, well, I'm no longer behind, behind Kelly Olynyk as Kelly Olynyk was dealt uh as part of the part of the package that brought Victor Oladipo in a shocking trade to the Miami Heat. So he's no longer with the Heat anyways. Uh but Angelica he does provide uh some valuable valuable depth for the heat as they uh as they look to try and repeat uh a return to the NBA finals like they did last year. Uh the Spurs they had a minor deal here uh acquiring Marquise Chris as well as cash considerations from the Golden State Warriors in exchange for the draft rights to Cody Lalan. Uh the Utah Jazz they had uh a little bit of a trade getting Matt Thomas off of the bench of the Toronto Raptors in exchange for a future second round pick. Uh, The Raptors also traded Terrence Davis to the Sacramento Kings in exchange for a second round pick in this year's draft. Uh, The Golden State Warriors also made another move uh, trading away Brad Wanamaker to the Charlotte Hornets along with a second-round pick in next year's draft from Toronto via Philadelphia, as well as cash considerations in exchange for a second-round pick in the 2025 draft, which is a top 55 protected pick. So basically what this was was pretty much the Warriors' thing salary, which kind of doesn't make sense because they also sent cash over to the Hornets. But, you know, I guess this was a way for them to to dump some sort of salary any way that they could, apparently. 
Uh, yeah, quite frankly, I'm I'm kind of confused as far as to uh, as far as to why they even did this from the get go. Uh, let's see, one of our other trades that we saw go down had a three team deal actually that involved the Boston Celtics the Washington Wizards and the Chicago Bulls that saw the Chicago Bulls acquire Daniel Tice from the Boston Celtics. Actually, let me find, I have the full write up here. Uh, So the Boston Celtics, well, actually, no. Here's here's the full the full gist of this. Is this is basically two trades combined into one. Because originally this was a deal between the Bulls and the Wizards, where the Bulls sent Daniel Gafford and Chandler Hutchison to the Wizards, and basically the Bulls would get uh, Mo Moritz Wagner and Troy Brown Jr. However, the Bulls then flipped Moritz Wagner over to the Celtics as well as Luke Cornett. And in exchange, the Boston Celtics, they sent Daniel Tice and Javante Green over to the Chicago Bulls. Now, I'm kind of on the fence about this deal because, I mean, me being a Boston Celtics fan, I'm kind of on the fence. For one, it's a good thing because it means that it gives the Time Lord, the Time Lord as he calls himself, Robert Williams, uh, some more playing time as the starting center now for the Boston Celtics, which a lot of people have actually been been asking them to do, to, you know, give him more playing time and see what he can do as a starter. Uh, however. On the opposing side, you know, Daniel Tice, he wasn't I, – I, I wouldn't classify him as a scrub. You know, he uh, – for a guy coming out of EuroLeague, you know, a lot of people weren't expecting a lot out of him. And he performed during the four years that he was in Boston. I mean, he was very reliable originally off of the bench, and then eventually he became our starting center or starting power forward, depending on what he was needed for. You know, he he became very reliable. And basically, the, it just it seems like this was Boston's way of of trying to trying to uh get themselves set for the future and to get Robert Williams some playing time. And we basically saw that he ended up getting getting some playing time here, and or he gets more playing time out of this. And actually, uh, he didn't put up two bad numbers last night, and he's not putting up bad numbers tonight either. Nine points, 13 rebounds, uh, with two assists, two steals, two blocks in 25 minutes of action so far. And we've still got the fourth quarter to go, so who knows? It could and he did kind of flirt a little bit uh, with a with a potential triple double last night, which obviously that didn't come to fruition because he didn't even get into double digits anywhere. But 
it's a good it's good for his development as you know people were expecting him to finally be able to contribute in some capacity eventually he would make the starting lineup and that's what that's what's happening here uh with him going to the uh or with him going into the starting lineup because of Daniel Tice going to the Bulls now the Bulls it's the addition of Tice is definitely going to help them uh he provides not just uh you know not not just uh points in the paint but he is all he he is capable of shooting three pointers as well um for a six foot seven guy you know he's i would think he's probably more suited to be a power forward as opposed to a center but who knows what the bulls will uh will utilize him as uh and also the celtics they get back uh mo wagner in this deal as well i don't know why uh, the Lakers and the Wizards both gave up on him as quickly as they did. But uh, just from what we saw last night, he does have the potential to have a bit of range. You know, being it's it's kind of odd saying that for him being a six foot seven or I mean six foot eleven center, and yet you're seeing him. Uh, you know, you're seeing you're seeing him shoot a three pointer last night. You know, it's. It'll be interesting to see how what kind of development he can he can get here with the Celtics uh, in the remainder of the season, and who knows, maybe the Celtics may potentially bring him back next year. Um, as I think he's a restricted free agent, I might be wrong. Uh, but obviously, the bigger trade that the Celtics made was they acquired Evan Fournier in exchange for Jeff Teague, who ended up being waived today, as well as two future second-round picks. Uh, this is basically the Celtics using the the uh, player exception that they got in the sign-and-trade uh, with the Hornets involving Gordon Hayward. Now, my understanding is there's about $11 million left on this player exception. Now, what what's going to happen is this can be used. The remaining 11 million will be, uh, will be able to be used in free agency at the end of the year. As obviously they didn't use the full 28 million. Um, so they get to, they get to use that if, uh, for, for free agency, but this also provides, this also provides, size and shooting which is what they were looking for entering this uh you know entering uh the uh the trade deadline here as it's obvious with them basically sitting in the play-in tournament you know they're probably not going to be that big of a playoff team but you know maybe perhaps there's the there's the potential that uh adding somebody like Fournier could potentially give them uh, that extra attacker that they need uh, to complement the likes of Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum. And I guess you can include Marcus Smart in that equation. Although, to be honest, I would have been perfectly fine with them trading Marcus Smart. 
Uh, it was rumored that the Orlando Magic wanted uh, Smart in the deal that would have sent Aaron Gordon to Boston. Obviously, of course, that did not happen as he ended up going to the Nuggets. But, you know, it. this gives them size with shooting. And also another thing as well here is Evan Fournier, along with him comes his bird rights. So basically the Boston Celtics will be able to go above the cap in order to, in order to re-sign him because of his bird rights, which is the same thing that they did with uh, the namesake of the bird rights, Larry Bird, when they, uh, you know, when they, when they re-signed Larry Bird back way back when. So, and it's from, from what it sounded like, in the press conference that was done by Danny Ainge uh, yesterday that they acquired Fournier with the intention of re-signing him this offseason. So they must feel that, they, that they'll be able to re-sign him uh, after all this. The Denver Nuggets, though, before they got Gordon, they did strike early, uh, reacquiring JaVale McGee who came into the league with the Denver Nuggets, actually, if I recall correctly, uh, in in exchange for Isaiah Hartenstein and two future second-round picks as the Nuggets look to to move uh, or prepare, I should say, for uh, a potential playoff run here. Um, The Clippers, they're doing the same thing here, but it's kind of shocking because I never thought they would move this guy, but they dealt Lou Williams along with a 2023 and 2027 second round pick, as well as cash considerations to the Atlanta Hawks in exchange for Rajon Rondo. Kind of wondering, maybe it's because Rondo has won two uh, two NBA titles, one with the Celtics and one with the Lakers, that maybe perhaps the Clippers are looking for that experience uh, for uh, for a guy for a guy to bring to a to a club that's been looking to end uh, their NBA title drought. I don't know. Maybe that has something to do with it. But uh, Lou Williams still one hell of a player. Uh, that it, it was kind of shocking when I saw this come up. I'm like, I, I was kind of thinking, you know, why would they trade Williams when he's basically been a fixture? Uh, he's been basically their best sixth man that they've had ever since acquiring him uh, so many years ago that it just didn't make sense. But I guess, you know, the Clippers, they wanted more somebody who had actual experience, you know, of of knowing what it takes to get to the NBA Finals and to win the NBA Finals, not once, but twice in his career. Uh the Dallas Mavericks, they acquired J.J. Redick as well as Nicolo Melli in exchange for James Johnson, Wesai Wundu, uh, a 2021 second-round pick, as well as cash considerations uh, going to the New Orleans Pelicans. So the Mavericks, they acquired J.J. Redick, uh, who is aging, but he still kind of has that, you know, still kind of has that shot. And looking at where the Mavericks are now, they're 
in the seventh seed in the play-in tournament right now. Potentially, they have the potential. They're only three games behind the Portland Trailblazers of the uh, sixth seed, so maybe perhaps they can make a move on Portland. And adding in a guy like Redick will provide that firepower that they need uh, off of the off of the bench for them. So this is a pretty good move for the for the Dallas Mavericks here. And the Pelicans will help. Probably the biggest win here is they get rid of JJ Redick's uh, massive contract that he had in terms of his cap hit. So. That's probably a win in and of itself for the Mavericks here. Uh, the Or not the Mavericks, for the Pelicans. Uh, the Miami Heat, in a very late trade that, that went through, it seemed like Victor Oladipo was going to stay with the Rockets, but apparently the Rockets, they did ship him out. Uh, they sent him to the Miami Heat. In exchange, the Rockets get Kelly Olenek, Avery Bradley, and they get the right to, to uh, swap draft picks in 2022. Now, it doesn't say if these are uh, a swap of first-round picks or a swap of second-round picks. So I assume it's probably going to be a swap of second-round picks. Well, actually, no, it's probably a swap of first-round picks because I would say Oladipo is that type of player that would that would probably warrant that return. So that actually makes more sense. But it's Oladipo is a huge addition to this Miami Heat team. I assume he's probably going to actually let me check. Let me check and see because the the Heat are currently in the eighth seed right now. Let me see what the Heat have done tonight. Let me see if he's actually. Well, actually, no, they're not even playing tonight. Uh, I assume that with Duncan Robinson start I assume Duncan Robinson is still going to start unless they're moving him to the bench and they're putting in Oladipo as the starting shooting guard uh but this is a pretty massive addition for a Miami Heat squad that's looking to make another playoff run like they did last year and the Orlando Magic they traded Aaron Gordon the full Aaron Gordon trade, uh, trading Aaron Gordon and Gary Clark to the Denver Nuggets in exchange for Gary Harris, RJ Hampton, as well as future first round picks. I believe they were, I believe it was two future first round picks. I might be wrong, but uh, this is a pretty massive addition for the Denver Nuggets. And it comes with term too, as they'll have an extra full year with Aaron Gordon on their roster. So one and a half years, uh, they'll have a Aaron Gordon, and time they're gonna pretend they're gonna have the ability to potentially sell him on uh, on re-signing with the club, depending on, of course, you know how long, uh, you know how how well he fits in if they do decide if he does decide to, uh, you know, to re-sign with them. And yeah, you know that was that pretty much tops up, tops off a uh, a huge trade deadline that we had this year, and it, it really it it just seemed like they were coming a mile a minute, starting all the way from uh, from very early in the morning, and actually the uh, Vucevic trade I believe dropped anywhere around eight thirty to nine o'clock I think so. 
right around that time is where things really started picking up. Um, there is one extra bit of news here. First off, uh, it looks like LeBron James, he's probably going to be out four to six weeks, I think, uh, with his, uh, with his injury and combine that with the injury to Anthony Davis, keeping him out a little bit of extra time. It kind of, you know, it kind of makes me wonder when they return, are they even going to be in position for a playoff run? Because taking a look at where the standings are now, obviously a lot of things can happen. The Lakers sit at 29 and 17 in the fourth seed. Uh, That puts them about four and a half games ahead of the Dallas Mavericks. Obviously anything can happen, but it's possible that they could potentially slip all the way into the play-in tournament, depending on how long, uh, you know, how how long LeBron and Anthony Davis are both out. So that's why I'm sort of scratching my head when I'm seeing – uh, you know, when, I, when I'm seeing this news that, you know, Andre Drummond is, uh, it looks like he's probably going to sign with the L.A. Lakers because, you know, it kind of doesn't really make sense to me as far as to why. Because I understand, you know, he'll have a starting role here with, uh with him probably being an upgrade over Mark Gasol at this point, based on how Gasol has performed. But, you know, it just doesn't, it doesn't make sense at this point, because unless he's just going to be a a starting center, if he's at power for it at all, he would be behind, uh, he would be behind Davis, unless they decide to use Davis at the center position. I mean, I, I understand why he would go to L.A. You know, it gives him a chance to chase a ring, which is what he's been looking for. But, you know, it's just, I don't know. It's its going to be, it, it, it's, a, it's a very interesting decision for, for him to, uh, to make here. But I brought up the uh, I brought up the Eastern Conference uh, and how they stand right now. The Western Conference, you have the Utah Jazz at the top still. You have the Phoenix Suns gaining a little bit on them though. In the second spot, you have the LA Clippers in the third, the LA Lakers sitting in the fourth, the Denver Nuggets in the fifth, and Portland Trailblazers. Actually, Denver and Portland are tied for fifth uh, for the fifth seed. Uh, in the play-in tournament, you have the Dallas Mavericks, the San Antonio Spurs, the Memphis Grizzlies, and the Golden State Warriors currently with the Sacramento Kings on the outside looking in. And that's how the current playoff picture currently sits for the NBA. Uh, some games that are currently ongoing here with about nine minutes to go here in the in the uh, live portion of our show. Uh we have, at the end of the third quarter, the New Orleans Pelicans are close to the end of the third quarter. The New Orleans Pelicans with a slim one-point lead over the Dallas Mavericks, 79-78. to 78. 
we have the Boston Celtics with an 88 to 82 lead over the Oklahoma City Thunder with about nine nine and a half minutes to go. Uh, the Utah Jazz with a 100 to 82 lead over the Memphis Grizzlies. Uh, this one is about six minutes to go in the first half. We have the LA Clippers with a 46 or 48 to 46 lead over the Philadelphia 76ers. The Cleveland Cavaliers with a 43 to 42 lead over the LA or LA the Sacramento Kings with about three minutes to go in the first half. Uh, some finals from earlier, the Washington Wizards with a 106-92 to victory over the Detroit Pistons. We have uh, this one did go final, the New York Knicks with a 102-96 to victory over the Milwaukee Bucks. Uh, we have the Houston Rockets with a 129-107 to victory over the Minnesota Timberwolves. And why did this change? Uh, the San Antonio Spurs with a 120-104 to victory over the Chicago Bulls. Let me take a look here, actually, and see. Uh, Nikola Vucevic, in his first game with the Bulls, 21 points, 9 rebounds, 3 assists. Not bad for, for their new starting center. Uh, looks like Daniel Tice did not play. Uh, Javante Green. He got no points in 10 minutes. Uh, He did get four rebounds, though, so primarily just a rebounder, although that might have been in garbage time, actually, that he played, uh, considering how the score ended up. Al Farouk Aminu, he only provided two points off of the bench after being acquired from the Orlando Magic. So a good start for Vucevic. And, of course, Daniel Tyson didn't even play because I think he might be in COVID protocol right now. I'm not exactly sure. Um, so, yeah, that's it for uh, for the NBA and the NBA trade deadline. Uh, we did have a – oh, there is uh, two uh, little notes here that, before I forget. First off, T.J. Warren. Uh, he is out for the remainder of the of the season with a, with his foot injury after he underwent foot surgery back in January, and the only updates that have been given so far is that he's made little progress and is still nowhere to being close to a return. Uh, he'll probably he'll be looking for a bounce back year starting next year. Uh, what was the other thing? that I wanted to bring up in regards to well, I can't think of it. Maybe it maybe it'll bounce back to me, but it it was something involving the NBA. Um you know, that's it for in regards to the NBA trade deadline and the buyouts and stuff like that. Oh also, Gorgie Dang, Gorgie Dieng was also a uh, was also a buyout, but uh, I wouldn't expect a decision on him to be made until a little bit, uh, probably probably a couple of days, I would assume, uh, before a decision is made on him. Now, going over to the NFL, we had a huge. Uh, bombshell drop yesterday 
that had uh, quite the effect, actually, on the opening picks of the NFL draft. Uh, as the San Francisco 49ers, they have acquired the number three overall pick from the Miami Dolphins. And in exchange, they gave up the number 12 pick, a 2021 third round pick and first round picks in 2022 and 2023. And the purpose of this deal is the 49ers are looking to draft a quarterback from what it sounds. All indications are, well, I shouldn't say all indications because there's, there has been skeptical, uh, back and forth different options or, you know, different reports. Uh, Some reports have said that they're interested in Trey Lance, uh, Trey Lance or Justin Fields. Others have said, uh, Chris Sims in particular said that they're looking for an NFL ready quarterback. And in that case that they would probably draft Mac Jones. Uh, Now the biggest thing to come up, from this is does this mark the end of Jimmy Garoppolo in San Francisco as he's due for $26.4 million this upcoming season and a total of 53.4 mil over the next two seasons. Uh, obviously the, uh, you know, the 49ers have claimed that Garoppolo is still their guy and it sounds like they're going to do what the Chiefs did with uh, Pat Mahomes and Alex Smith, basically uh, having Alex Smith play uh, the year while Pat Mahomes ended up sitting as a uh, as a redshirt freshman uh, or a redshirt rookie in the NFL. Not sure if the 49ers are going to do the same thing here, but all indications are that's probably what they're trending towards which obviously uh, for New England fans like me uh, will put the Garoppolo back to New England uh, rumors to bed. So it kind of, you know, it kind of sucks because that means that we're stuck with Cam Newton now. Um, But it is what it is. However, this wasn't the only thing that took place as the Dolphins then took that number 12 pick and flipped it along with the number one, 123 overall and a first round and the, uh, the 2022 first round pick they got from San Francisco. They then flipped that, those two picks that they acquired from San Francisco to the uh, Philadelphia Eagles in exchange for the number six pick and the number uh, and the 156 pick in the draft from the Eagles. This sets Miami in a prime position to take, in my opinion at least, who's probably going to be there is Devontae Smith from the Alabama Crimson Tide the and also the, uh, the current reigning uh, Heisman Trophy winner. So he's going to be a potential huge addition uh, for the – you know, for Tua Tungavailoa in his full in his second season uh, for the Miami Dolphins, so that's going to be something very interesting to keep an eye on here. 
And actually, let me bring in, I believe we have JB calling in. JB, is that you? Yes, it is. Now, normally I would know it's you, but I, I'm, I'm currently on a new laptop, so I don't have, uh, I don't have the old, uh, the old list that I had uh, of all the area codes. So I was just taking a, uh, a lucky guess here. Uh, but welcome okay. to the show. Uh, we are, and you, you joined at just the, just the right time as we are heading into the overtime portion. Uh, I assume you've been uh, you've been watching uh, the UFC show or the UFC pay per view uh, that has been uh, that has been airing. I've been trying, and it's been uh, it's been going off on me, and I think yeah, I've I'm... only seen I think I've only seen like about uh, two uh, two fights. I haven't seen any of them on the uh, pay-per-view. <laughs> yeah, I've been having uh, I've been having problems myself uh, watching watching tonight. Is it? It's been going on and off for me uh, ever since the main the main card started. Actually, uh, the prelims were fine, but uh, the main card is just. It hasn't been good for me so far. It's kept on freezing, so I'm hoping that at some point it's gonna it's gonna it's gonna uh, steady itself out here. But you know, it's not looking good for me. If it's on either uh, ABC or ESPN. I'll watch it on there because uh, in my bedroom I have a 32-inch TV, and I can actually watch it uh, better on the TV than I can on my uh, laptop. So I was watching the uh, prelims on on, uh, ESPN, and then when the... uh, pay-per-view came on I tried turning it on and I saw the oh about uh, I don't know a couple minutes of the first fight and it went off and I thought oh (laughs) and I felt the side of my uh, laptop and it was and it was it was hot and it usually when it gets hot, it usually goes off. Oh, so you thought you thought it, uh, that at, at, at any point your uh, your laptop was basically uh, that was going to be it, basically. Just about. I keep on, you know, turning it on and turning it off. I think I'm on the uh, third. Uh, watching the third fight right now it hasn't gone off on me yet and the almeida fight i tr- uh yeah almeida and, o- and o'malley yes yeah that's what i'm on right now too uh then again though you know the first the first two fights of the main card you know they they didn't really seem like 
fights that I, I I didn't even know of any of these of, of any of these four fighters. But uh, the first fight apparently ended very quickly, a uh, forty six second knockout uh, by Jamie Malarkey uh, against Kama Worthy, and how how Miranda was Maverick, that fight? I it was quick, like for, forty six seconds. Uh, caught Kama by surprise apparently. Yeah. Because uh, it, provo- it provoked one of those infamous Joe Rogan O's. Well, I'm not going to scream it, but, you know, one of his uh, one of his infamous screams that he does uh, whenever, <laughs> whenever uh, a huge hit is landed or something. Uh, that's what we got basically out of, uh, out of Rogan there. Um, so obviously, you know, I'm going to have to go back and take a look at it, but obviously it was a huge, uh, it was a huge, uh, a huge ass, uh, punch that ended up knocking out, uh, worthy and the women's fight. I didn't, I didn't really watch, uh, but you know, this fight here with O'Malley and, uh, Almeida, this is supposed to be, uh, O'Malley's first fight, I believe since his broken foot. Huh, I'm going with, uh, I was going to go with uh, O'Malley. Yeah, I was going to go with O'Malley too, but then I remember I remember the type of fighter that Almeida is, and he was one of, if I recall correctly, he was one of the, uh, one of the bright up-and-comers. Yeah, he's on a three-fight losing streak, though, so I probably, you know, I, I'm probably going to have to go with O'Malley too. You know what, I'm kind of shocked that Almeida is this high up on the card because I mean usually when you lose your last three fights and I mean these last three fights you know he's lost to Jimmy Rivera Rob Font and Jonathan Martinez Uh, and considering his record in the UFC is currently five and four so I assume a fourth straight loss here and Almeida is probably out of the company. Uh, but, you know, I, I would expect with the, with the stats that O'Malley puts up every, uh, you know, every fight that he's had so far, I'd expect that this is probably going to be a one-sided affair. But, you know, for all I who knows how. how you, hey, you never, here, you never know. But to, to think that this guy came from Dana White's contender series, from from Dana White basically just looking for a fight. You know, this guy wasn't even on the Ultimate Fighter or anything. And it comes from Dana White's contender series, essentially. And literally his first loss was to Marlon Vera because of the broken foot, basically. And he's been pretty yeah. impressive, you know. Before then, he was he was five and zero in the UFC. I mean, if you count if you count the contender series fight, yeah, he's five and zero. But technically, inside an actual, you know, on a televised UFC event, he's four and zero or four and one now. Uh, but altogether in the UFC, he's five and one with his appearance on the contender series. But I would 
expect, honestly, I would expect a, uh, I would expect O'Malley to take this one. Yeah, another now, thing I wanted to, another thing I wanted to mention too is that uh, I saw some of the uh, highlights from the uh, Arkansas Oral Roberts uh, basketball uh, game, and yeah. oh yeah, I saw. I saw that they were down like about uh, seven or eight points with like uh, eight minutes to go. And I was thinking, well, they got eight minutes. And then it was just going back and forth and back and forth. And I was just wondering, how is Jim taking this? (laughs) Oh, he was sweating. He was sweating. Oh, man. I sent him a, I sent him a text message saying that uh, you know that I was happy for his uh, you know hogs winning. Yeah, you, you know, I mean, it's it's like talk about talk about giving him a damn heart attack, you know, uh, to basically I, for have only that slim of a win over a 15th seed i mean really yeah really you know oral roberts this is this is supposed to be you would think a 15th seed would be a cakewalk but then again considering how march madness has been this uh this year you know uh you can't really consider any uh any of the teams a cakewalk basically but you know, Oral Roberts, I really thought that Arkansas, you know, the line had Arkansas by 11. Wow. So I was expect I was expecting, you know, somewhat a, a bit of a blowout, and we didn't get it. But, yeah, he was saying uh, that the, he was saying that the uh, power was out there. And that they have a uh, tornado, tornado warning until like uh, five o'clock in the morning. Yeah, so... I, I heard he said uh, he said he said uh, originally that the uh, the sirens had been going had been going on uh, around the time of uh, the start of the game actually. Yeah, and that they had finally they had finally shut off. Uh, I forget when it was, but at some point they had finally shut off. So hopefully but, uh, he's yeah, uh, yeah. hopefully he's okay. Oh yeah, I think I think he I think I think he is. Uh, especially after the Arkansas win, and you know now. If a if a, if one does uh, does end up uh, touching down, that you know he can get to a place of safety. Uh, I would say probably the biggest problem that Arkansas had was their shots just weren't falling at all. Like regardless of how open they were, their shots just were not falling. It was like they couldn't buy a basket essentially. Yeah. And 
you know, it was very uncharacteristic of them because usually they're known for being a, oh, my God. Oh, that didn't knock him out? No. He might be behind. He came this back is, up. This is around, <laughs> yeah, this, this, this is around the two-minute mark. Oh, my God. He got hit. Yeah. He got hit with a head kick, followed by followed by a punch, and apparently that didn't. Oh, he's 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 almost done. The way the way O'Malley is hitting him right now, JB. He oh a knee. Yeah, yeah. he is. Uh, he's close. He's close to out. I think. Yeah, you can tell I, him Almeida uh, is is hurting. Oh yeah, yeah, without without a doubt. Although I will say though, he doesn't look like he's on spaghetti legs though. So yeah, Almeida must have very qu- a very quick recovery time because you know he's not really on he's not really on spaghetti legs. Oh boy, that's going. That was a, a very a case of very bad timing, but it was good timing though for Almeida. He knew exactly when uh, exactly when exactly when to go for the takedown. But if that kick had landed flush on Almeida's jaw, he's probably oh, there's done. another kick, another kick. <laughs> oh. Yeah, see, I'm I'm behind you actually right now, on uh, on what I'm viewing. But man, that's you, you see, it's like it's like I said previously. You know, I I'm not expecting this fight to be close, considering the uh, considering what we've seen out of these two fighters in the UFC so far. Right. You know, I'm not. I, I wasn't really expecting this fight to be close at all. And we do. We do have a final in the NBA. Uh, the Boston Celtics with a 111 to 94 victory over the Oklahoma City Thunder. That's what I wanted to talk about. Uh, I was trying to. I was trying to think of what of what story uh, I wanted to. I wanted to discuss in the NBA while I was well talking to myself for the last two hours, uh, but. It was the Al Horford. Uh, I don't know if you heard about this, JB, at all, but uh, the Oklahoma City Thunder have decided to sit uh, veteran forward Al Horford for the rest of the season in order to develop their younger players. Oh. And they're, I mean, they're currently sitting out of a playoff spot, but. I mean, the fact is, Horford. You know, he has a he has a contract. Like he has a uh, a lengthy. Like I think he has like one more year after this year, so he still has length left on his on his contract. And it wasn't like he was sucking. You know, he was putting up fourteen points, seven rebounds, uh, something like that. And you know, he what he was putting up putting up reliable points and it's it just seems now like the Oklahoma the Oklahoma City Thunder just want to basically tank the rest of the season for uh in order for for Horford to eventually they they said that they're gonna it 
it's been reported that they're going to seek a trade for Horford. They're going to trade Horford in the uh, in the off season because obviously the trade deadline is now uh, coming past. Uh, but I mean, it's it's got to suck, you know, to be a veteran player who is still putting up numbers only for only for your team to tell you, yeah, we're we're. Putting you, we're we're sitting you out for the rest of the year. We want to move uh, in a uh, we want to move, move towards a, towards a younger uh, a younger direction. So it's more important to give them. Uh, you know, it's th- this is something I, I want to ask you, JB. Do you do you feel that if you know that the season is out of reach, do you think it's important to give? younger players on your team more of a shot uh, at the expense of of uh, veterans like Al Horford uh, that may, you know, that may be putting up good numbers but aren't a part of your long-term future? Well, I'm not uh, any kind of uh, basketball aficionado. In fact, I don't know anything about uh, basketball. But... No, but this could, this could go. This could, you know, this could this could uh, uh, apply to baseball and and football in general as well. All right, but you know, like if, if you a, know that if a season yeah, of... if you know that your a... team is not going to, uh, you know, do anything. Uh, it's, it's hard to say really, because number one, you've spent all this money. Why not, you know, play this guy? Why not get somebody else and, uh, maybe, uh, you know, sit them out and, you know, put one of your, uh, you know, younger play, put one of your younger players in, or maybe uh, sit out maybe uh, two or three, uh, you know, sit him out maybe, uh, you know, a half, put him in, uh, put in another, uh, put in one of your, uh, you know, other younger guys. Yeah, you know the thing is to me, it just kind of seems like it just kind of screams to me that they're that they're tanking basically. So they're they're trying to get the best draft position possible, and the way to do that is to basically give this excuse that we want to give the younger players an opportunity, which yeah, that may be, but also, you know, how do you think this is going to make you look to other free agents? You know where. Now keep keep in mind they didn't uh, they acquired Horford through a trade so they didn't actually sign Horford they acquired him and his and his salary through a trade to where they were actually given first round picks in order to take his uh oh this might be oh, this might be quick to uh to finishing here uh but um you know they were actually given first round picks in exchange for taking his big salary uh you know on board 
kind of get it, you know, maybe perhaps if you, oh, yeah. oh my God, Almeida caught him. Yeah. That's good. You know, that's good. Uh, good instincts though by O'Malley to imme- immediately put the feet up. Um. But you know, I kind of get it. You know, maybe if you, if you really do want to go on a whole youth movement and you feel that you know your season is out of reach to where even if you do make the playoffs on the tail end you know you're not really going to do anything but at the same time I kind of I kind of think it may sort of put you off from other free agents to where other free agents are going to look at you and be like if we sign here and we end up sucking, you know, down are we the line, gonna, is, are, is this yeah. same thing going to happen Are we going to gonna end up in the same place? <laughs> yeah, like, is this same thing going to happen to me where I'm going to be getting paid this money and yet I'm not going to, I'm not going to get the, uh, uh, you know, the minutes that I should, that I, that I should be getting. Right. You know, I can definitely, I can definitely see uh, players coming coming out there. You know, when they're looking at who to potentially sign with in free agency, and you know that comes up as a. Uh, I'd be putting it in my uh, contract. Well, I don't even know if you can. I don't oh, even know if you I'm, can in, uh, yeah. in, in sports. Because I mean, it's up to the coach. You know, it's not up to the player. It's up to the coach. What uh, right. you know, who ends up who ends up playing and and whatnot. Now we did have a. Uh, there is an update actually in the Deshaun Watson. Uh, I, I assume you've heard all about this, JB. Uh, all of the allegations that are going against Watson. Uh, with him being accused of sexual misconduct as well as sexual assault. Um, apparently the lawsuit count is now up to 20, 20 different lawsuits, which by the way, uh, the, um, the attorney who's representing these women, he keeps claiming that the, uh, that he's been in contact with the Houston police department and the Houston police department keeps saying, yeah, that's not true. Uh, but the lawsuits are now up to 20 uh, against Deshaun Watson. And basically, you know, a lot lot of people still think that this is just a, uh, an attempted money grab uh, or not, not, not exactly, not, not, not specifically a money grab, but, uh, you know, a way to uh, to put to put defamation against somebody's name who may be uh, who may be leaving uh, the team, like Deshaun Watson is uh, is seeking a trade like he is. Yeah, well, I don't like to. Hear, I don't like to hear about that stuff. What What are your thoughts, though? Uh, do you think it's it's legitimate, or do you think that this is a potential money grab? Uh, 
I don't know because I haven't really uh, read everything. I just, you know, I just have seen, uh, you know, uh, reports here and there. Yeah, like Um, the the stuff that's posted in Whispers, basically. Stuff, you know, stuff posted on, uh, you know, stuff that I have uh, read in other uh, sports, uh, you know, things, uh, mainly just like the, uh, you know, headlines, and I really don't, really didn't click on to see... uh, what was uh, what was going on? So yeah. I really can't, you know. I'm I'm one that really can't uh, comment really. Yeah. By the way, we have a uh, an update from That's March a finish. Madness. Oh, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that is. Oh my god! And he's doing he's doing the wobbly legs too at this. Oh my god! What a knockout by Sean O'Malley! I knew it was going to be finished at at some point. I didn't think it would be all the way until the third round though. And that's probably Thomas Almeida's last fight in the UFC. Fourth straight loss. I got to see this on replay. Oh, it was a kick to the side. That wait, wait a minute. What started it? Oh, yep. There we go. Okay. So wait, no, that was in the first round, I think. A kick to the gut. Oh, okay. So he spins around. Wait. Gets hit in the shin. Are they're just showing highlights? Where is oh he caught he caught him going in. Oh wow. Yeah. I don't know. What was he going it looked like he was going in for an for an overhand right and then he gets caught. He gets caught oh, wow. Okay. Okay, that may you know, that makes much more sense why uh uh why the ref stopped it uh like he did. Because usually, usually it uh, they account for more punches on the ground, but Al- yeah, Almeida uh, in that position he was he was out of it, and it looks like that last punch cut him too. Yeah, by knockout. The, uh, if you if you can see it, it, it looks like that last punch cut him on the nose. Yeah, it didn't, and it didn't really look like a, a knockout, like. You would uh, like you would think, because even after he hit him, you know his eyes were open, everything like that. Sometimes, you know, their whole body just goes yeah, to the goes you know, to the floor to, uh, and goes limp. Yeah, it's it's up to the referee uh, the referee's discretion, though, obviously. Oh, but you know what? Speaking of uh, the UFC, Dana White has said 
uh, that Ronda Rousey is absolutely positively not coming back to the UFC. Uh, he shot down the idea while addressing the media uh, on Thursday because uh, White was talking about Habib uh, remaining retired and Misha Tate coming out. Oh, that's another thing. Misha Tate coming out of retirement after, what, four years of inactivity, I think? Yeah, I heard, I heard that. I mean that was kind of surprising to me. Maybe, per, maybe perhaps she wanted to uh, she wanted to focus on uh, on. I guess, I guess did, did she have a kid with? Um, oh, who was she? Who was she with at at the time in the UFC when she was uh, when she was fighting? Um, usually, usually I. Uh, yeah. Go to my uh, Wikipedia and 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 look, and I'm telling myself, just keep it on the fight. Don't even do anything that way. That way, your uh, laptop will. Oh uh, no, she's split. you know it won't it won't turn off. <laughs> it yeah, won't no, go no, off. she split. She she was seeing Brian Caraway, but she uh, she split from him after uh, she left the UFC. Uh, she has had uh, two kids actually since uh, since she left the UFC. So maybe perhaps she must have felt that uh, you know that give her give her time away from from uh, from fighting, uh, start a family, and then. You know, obviously, she must have gotten the urge to uh, to get back to fighting because she's announced uh, that, or it was announced that she's uh, she's coming out of retirement. And I mean, Dana probably couldn't be uh, couldn't be uh, any happier because uh, uh, he now has a another big star in the uh, in the women's. Uh, in women's MMA to uh, market around, and she will be fighting Marion Renault at uh, UFC Fight Night 192, which is set to take place in July, July 17th. Huh. I so that I I will probably pick Marion Renault, even though I like Misa Tate. Uh, she's been out for she's been out for four years, and I don't know. To me, if you're out for four years, uh, even though you're getting back, you know, on the track and everything like that, you still mm-hmm. don't have what it ta- what you used to have. Four years ago. Well, okay. If you want to put it that way, then what about GSP? Well, same thing for him too. GSP came back, and it all and it he came back after a four year layoff, and it it was as if he never left. So you know. I know the octagon rust uh, may be a thing, but also it's potent. It, it's possible that it's not a thing 
uh, for some fighters. For Misha Tate, I don't think she's going to have a problem. Hmm. Especially with Marion Renault, she's on a four-fight losing streak. You know, she's not fighting the the top fighters uh, that she may have fought previously. Like, she's no longer fighting Jessica Andrade or Sarah McMahon or Betch Cohea uh, or Holly Holm. You know, she just she just lost. Her last two fights were losses to Raquel Pennington, which, you know, is a big name uh, now, that is. But she lost to Macy Chieson in her last fight. And also another thing to take into account too okay. is the age difference. Is the age difference? She's forty three years old. Uh, Misha Tate wow. is thirty four. I thought Misha Tate was older than that. I don't know why. Nope. Nope. She's thirty four years old. She uh, she retired at the age of thirty. So. You know that it obviously the age factor may potentially uh, may potentially come come into play here. Uh, yeah, but, that might. I mean, just one thing. Just one thing to keep in mind is the fact that Misha Tate. You know, she's used to fighting at at such a high level. So I don't really. Yeah, like, most of her she, fighters even, haven't been. You know. Like these, uh, uh, un, uh, what? Unproven. Yeah, unproven fighters. They're all, they've always uh, seemed to have been, uh, you know, like a top six, top seven, uh, you know, fighter that she's uh, fought. Yeah, she she might have so fought th- uh, a couple fights. So, what do you think about this next fight, Vicente Luque and Tyrone Woodley? I, to me, it kind of seems like this has the potential. Uh, it, it has serious knockout potential in this fight here, with uh, with both Luque and uh, and Woodley pos- possessing knockout power. Uh, with both fighters, but I have a bad feeling, you know, with how Woodley has been on a bit of a downhill, downhill spiral, these last three fights, uh, he's last, he's lost the last three fights by two of them by decision, one of them by a rib injury. And I believe he was losing the Covington anyways, before that. Uh, but, it just se- it seems like ever since Tyrone Woodley lost the uh, welterweight championship to Kamaro Usman, you know he's just been he's, on a complete he's gone downhill. downhill. Yeah, yeah. And he hasn't knocked out anybody honestly since he beat Robbie Lawler for the uh, for the welterweight title. So, I mean the. To me, it, this has the potential to be to be ugly, if uh, if depending on what type of Tyrone Woodley we're going to get here. Exactly. 
and Woodley has a nine a nine year advantage, a nine year difference over uh over Vicente Luque. Woodley is thirty eight, Luque's twenty nine. That might play into uh into his uh, fight too. Even though Tyrone Woodley uh seems like he's um you know, fought more a lot more than uh, eleven eleven finishes, ten knockdowns, one point wait. How many strikes? A hundred or five point seven two strikes per win or something like that. For Luke, I mean this dude mm. is dangerous. Yeah, I mean, we could potentially be looking at an early lights out here for for Woodley if he isn't if he isn't careful. Yeah, and it seems like he hasn't really fought that uh, that well the past uh, what three fights. Tyrone Woodley. Well, well, uh, yeah, you know he. Like I said, he's been on a downhill slope. You know, he lost uh, he lost the title by decision, and he lost his next fight by decision as well. So, and then obviously he ended up uh, having to having to forfeit his last fight due to a uh, uh, due to a rib injury at the hands of Col- at the ha- at the hands of Colby Covington. Uh, but I mean, his last three fights, you know, they haven't been scrubs or anything. You know, he's lost to, to Usman, Gilbert Burns, and Colby Covington. You know, three big names in the welterweight division. And Luke, obviously, you know, is a, a huge up and comer uh, here in the in the welterweight division. And actually, Luke, he's been fighting in the UFC since 2015. Actually, uh, he's had quite a few fights since 2015, actually. Uh, his biggest win is probably over, honestly, you know what? I don't even recognize a lot of these guys. I would huh. say probably Nico Price, maybe, and that was by Dr. Stoppage. And his uh, his losses in the UFC have been to Wonderboy Thompson, uh, Leon Edwards, and Michael Graves. And Michael Graves was all the way back at the uh, American Top Team versus Black Zillions finale. Um, but, you know, he is coming in as the number 10th ranked fighter in the welterweight division. Woodley, despite those losses, is apparent, uh, shockingly number seven. Um, maybe that has to do with the fact that he's a former, uh, the former welterweight champion, perhaps. Right. Uh, you know, Luke, he, uh, one thing, one thing that's very possible is this could be a potentially exciting fight because Luke, he's had three fight of the night finish or three fight of the night awards and one performance of the night, uh, with his uh with his finish of Randy Brown back in August. Actually no, wait a minute, he's had more. He's had 
in his UFC career, he's had three performance of the night wins and uh, three fight of the night wins. And the fight of the night were against Brian Barbarena, uh, Mike Perry, and Stephen Wonderboy Thompson. And the performance of the night were knockout, what was a knockout of Randy Brown, a knockout of Hector Urbina, and a, uh, a submission of Hader Hassan. Hey, I was was surprised that uh, you told me that uh, you were talking to yourself, uh, you know, the first uh, two hours. You mean nobody else called in that two hours? Yeah, no, I was was expecting, you know, to hear from Luke. Maybe something something might have happened in his uh, his other show that he does. Maybe they went long tonight. I don't know. but, you know, I was expecting him to call in. He never did. So, and uh, none of the usual callers that we uh, that we end up getting, like Kyle, uh, he didn't call, He didn't end up calling in at all either tonight. So, um, but, hey, I, uh, I heard you guys um, on Thursday night, you guys, uh, you guys went quite a while after uh, – after the overtime. Oh, yeah. We uh, kept talking and talking, and I had my, uh, I kept going back to my uh, laptop, and I put my uh, telephone on uh, speaker, and then he said, "Uh, well, what do you think, JB? I had to get up and walk over. I had my uh, phone actually plugged in because it was going uh it 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 was almost uh you know dead so i had to i had to plug it in and uh use it uh you know use it that way and then all of a sudden i thought well i got this one thing plugged in here why don't I try this other uh, jack, uh, this other uh, USB uh, USB cord? I plugged it in, and I uh, unplugged the uh, telephone, plugged the other thing in, and that went beep beep. That was like four oh eight in the morning, and I thought, oh no, why didn't I just keep it keep it on? And Jim said that they went. Uh, Jim said that they actually, uh, uh, you know, quit talking mutually, like at uh, four thirty-eight or something like that. <laughs> Damn. Uh, it, you know, uh, watching it, watching the uh, the fight here, it looks like it looks like we're seeing a lot more of a Tyrone Woodley type of fight here, with him basically staying in the clinch, uh, like he like he usually does in all of his fights. Either that, or yeah. he actually tried taking uh, Luke A down very early on, but that didn't that didn't end up happening. Uh, and it looks like from what we're seeing, uh, once they separated. 
it looks like uh, Woodley is really trying to finish things early because he started throwing bombs. Yeah, so Woodley's up against good, the fence now. Oh, he landed one flush. And it looks like it. It looks like it. It, it did bother Luke. So this is. Oh, uh oh. Now Luke has him on the. Oh boy. Oh. <laughs> oh. Oh my God. How is Woodley still standing? Oh, oh my God. I'm shocked that called this yet. <laughs> I'm shocked that Jason Herzog hasn't called this yet. Woodley is 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 zombie Woodley right now. He's about to. Uh, Wood Woodley's about to get. Uh, oh, we got a Darce choke. We got a Darce choke. He's about. He's about to lose. Oh, he's done. He's done. He's got a Darce choke applied, but Woodley Woodley's hanging on to the leg. Oh, he's in a bad position. He's got to tap. Yep, he's tapping. It's over. That's a huge win for Luke. Huge. I'm, I don't I think must, I've ever seen Woodley get dominated I must be like behind that. you now. I, I swear, JB, I've never seen I've never seen Woodley get dominated like that. Ever. Yeah, it was like about the last uh, minute. Oh, he caught him. With he just a... dominated. Wait, did he catch? No, that was just that one. Okay, here we go. That's where he stumbles. Caught him with the overhand right, right on the chin. Yeah, his just exactly what Rogan is saying. Uh, when when Woodley's up against the fence, his legs are completely stiff at this point. Yeah, I, I'm still I'm still kind of shocked that Woodley was st- was standing still. And that was a terrible position for Woodley because he couldn't he couldn't jump off, and he had the leg caught. And actually, he tapped twice. He tapped first with his right hand, and then. The ref didn't see it, so he had to he had to continue ta- he had to tap as quickly as possible with his left. But that's a huge win for Vicente Luque. Oh yeah, you uh, know he'll uh, you know he'll move up in the ranks now. Oh yeah, definitely. And by the way, a uh, reminder: I said this earlier uh, at the beginning of the of the recording here, but uh, a reminder to anybody who listens in it. If you're a survivor fan or a big brother fan, and you want to uh, listen to any of our uh, memories podcasts that we've done, you can subscribe to the Missy AE podcast uh, on blog talk radio or on iTunes by going to blogtalkradio.com slash Missy AE, as well as searching Missy AE on iTunes. Uh, you'll get access to uh, not just the podcast that we have coming up, but also the podcast that we've done in the past. As a matter of fact, the Survivor South Pacific podcast that we 
just did this past Thursday that JB uh, was on for quite a while after I ended up uh, after I ended up uh, disconnecting. Um, JB, there was quite a bit of tea that was dropped by uh, by uh, Coach and uh, and Albert that night. Yeah. I like to I like to just listen to uh Jim uh, question these guys on you know what was going on you know cuz Jim knows some of the uh things that uh nobody else knows and he was you know he said you know he I like when he tells them hey you know, what happened when, uh, you know, this happened? And it was like last week, you know, I think it was, uh, oh, who was it? It was Andrew One Savage. Of those guys. Yeah, Savage was saying, you know what? You know, nobody else has, uh, you know, ever asked me, uh, you know, questions like these before. <laughs> and I'm thinking, you know what? Hey, maybe you ought to, uh, you know, let uh, somebody know that uh, Jim Murray can actually ask uh, better questions than, uh, you know, some of these other guys can on uh, Entertainment Weekly. Yeah, you know, though, I wasn't, I wasn't expecting, uh, I wasn't expecting them to come out like rapid fire the way they did, the way. Uh, Coach and uh, and Albert did uh, Thursday night, like bam, immediately uh, started going off on Ozzy. They did. I mean, it was kind of surprising to me, at least. Yeah. But uh, yeah, you know the. Uh, the Pearl Islands one was it was pretty good too. That uh, to where you know Savage even even said that uh, that he had no idea how the hell we can we come up with a uh, with all these uh, all these different types of questions. Um, and you know it's it they have become pretty pop, pretty popular actually. Uh, throughout throughout whispers, you know, we I have noticed uh, different people start to like uh, some of the, you know, some of the posts that we've uh, some of the advertisements uh, that we put up, you know, every single every uh, every single podcast. Yeah, I like. Uh... I like listening to uh, Coach uh, also, and I can remember about oh ten years ago. Uh, I think it was right after Token Chains. I got to um, be uh, friends with him on Facebook. And then it was Heroes versus Villains. 
And that's when Jim said, you know what? I'm going to go all out. I'm going to just uh you know all the information for this uh for this uh season and he did he just he just let it fly cuz he got all his information from uh Russell Russell yeah. gave him all his uh, information and I remember uh, on one of the questions for the night, who gets voted off, and I think he told everybody who was going to be voted off every week. Well, hey, Joe Burrow is at the is at the uh, apex. Yeah, I noticed he's uh he's been he's been very uh well he he wasn't just uh he he isn't just at the apex uh today uh, tonight but he was at uh, March Madness I believe actually uh, last week. Okay. He's been pretty busy during his uh, during his off season here. That's good. Well, he's he he's got the money to do it. Yeah, yeah, he de- well, he definitely does, especially with that uh, that big rookie contract. Yeah. But uh, we got about seven minutes left in the uh, recording here. Um, real quickly, we have obviously Stipe Miocic and Francis Ngannou coming up here. Uh, do you think Ngannou? Can uh, can shock everybody and pull off, uh, you know, a- actually be able to hang with Miocic here. It's possible. Uh, if if you look at their if you look at their weights, Naganu is uh, like thirty pounds heavier, but Miocic is uh, he's more he's uh, he's leaner. But, you know, on these um, heavyweight fights, any anything can happen on these uh, heavyweight fights. And Nugano is yeah, well, uh, ranked number one. Stipe Miocic is the champion. So Jeez, another thing too is is one one of the biggest one of the biggest criticisms uh, of Nugano has been the fact that. He's always he's he's always this type of fighter that is, you know, it, it, it he he only lasts like maybe the first two rounds and then he gasses out. Yeah, they were saying that if it goes like, uh, you know, four rounds, Miocic is going to take him, no problem. So I mean the bit I mean. Ngannou, actually, I have to I have to take a look here. I have to see when his last five round fight was. His last five round fight actually was against Miocic, which Miocic uh, took advantage of him. You know, basically, uh, basically being gassed out, and at one point, it kind of looked like he was, you know, sort of 
sort of sticking it, I guess you could say, to uh, you know, to to Ngannou, to where he's basically like, okay, you know, uh, if I recall correctly, didn't Ngannou talk a whole bunch of shit, uh, you know, uh, leading up to the uh, leading up to the fight and. They basically, he basically decided, okay, you want, you know, you're going to talk a whole bunch of shit like this. I'm going to basically uh, make you suffer uh, throughout the entire fight. And because there were times where Miocic could have ended it. And instead, he decided to basically draw it out. Yeah, exactly. Uh, another thing I was going to point out to the people that are uh, listening is that uh, if you want, uh, call in to one of these podcasts and just listen. You don't have to say anything. You can just listen if you want to, especially if you have uh, trouble listening on your uh, laptop. You might find if you call in, you might find that the uh, reception is a little bit better. So that's the only thing I was going to bring up there. Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah, uh, you know that's one of the uh, that's one of the things that so- sometimes uh, that's why we have. Uh, you know, obviously I don't put the uh, chat room on for the sports pods because we never get any. Every time I put the chat room on, there's never anybody that that ends up coming into the chat room like maybe once in a while you get you get one person but uh you know we never get anybody for the chat room so that's why i don't put the chat room open basically but uh yeah you know if you want if you want to just listen you know you can go to uh you know, you can you can go to blogtalkradio.com slash missyae and and uh tune in and be able to listen that way if you can't uh basically, you know, if you wanna call in and just listen, I mean a lot of people sometimes do that for the third hour. Uh but yeah, you know, we'd be glad to have uh anybody call in basically. And anything you want to discuss sports related uh, you can do so, and also if you, you know if you're a fan of Survivor or Big Brother, feel free to call into our uh, to our Survivor Memories and Big Brother Memories and even Amazing Race uh, Memories podcast that we do. Uh, yeah, that, by the way, that last hour, yeah, the last hour, either Survivor we talk about Amazing Race, Amazing Race Memories we talk about uh, Survivor and all kind of other things. Yeah, but speaking of which, I uh, I still have to talk to Jim and see what he wants to do uh, for for uh, the uh, upcoming podcast this week, if we are going to have one. Uh, but, JB, thank you for joining me tonight uh, for this final hour. Um, obviously, the uh, Sports Whispers podcast, uh, barring anything happening next week, uh, we'll be back next uh, next Saturday for another edition of Sports Whispers Weekly. Uh, everybody, be sure to stay tuned to the uh, Blog Talk Radio uh, if you guys follow us through there. And 
we will we will have the new podcast if we do have one this week. Uh, we will have it put up within the next couple of days. So everybody, take care, and we will see you guys sometime this week. <laughs>